You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today we got a decent amount of news to talk about, as always, because it's the regular season now, and fortunately that's a thing that happens. But it is a busy day, like most days, so I got to kind of speed my way through this. So we're going to go through some news and notes, go through some of the updates, et cetera, et cetera. And then we've got some Patreon questions, and that's going to be the day. It is a little quieter because the dog was barking, but I don't hear him now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and turn it back up a little bit. Four starters, and we are not playing the Vikings, but, you know, the Vikings are in our division, so what happens there kind of matters. Uh, Dalvin Cook did not practice. Now, they are playing the Lions, so it maybe doesn't matter, but if they lose to the Lions, that'd be crazy. Cook was out there on the field but was working off to the side with the training staff. He expects to play this week against the Lions, but Cook may not be 100% which is always a concern for him. He tends to aggravate injuries. Tell me about it. Cook will be an obvious season-long RB1, blah, 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 blah. He's hurt, and he's expected to play, but you never know. He might not play. On a similar note, Joe Mixon, the Cincinnati Bengals running back, is still not at practice. Mixon is supposedly day-to-day with a low sprain, but you would typically be able to practice on a low sprain a week after the fact. We would consider Mixon doubtful for Sunday's game against the Packers, though even a limited return on Friday would put him on track to play. It's possible the Bengals are keeping him off his feet as long as possible. The Bengals have said Samaj P. Ryan and sixth-round rookie Chris Evans would form a committee in Mixon's absence. P. Ryan would be the chairman and the only one worth gambling on if you care about fantasy. So that's kind of big. I, I really do expect this to be somewhat of a battle um, between the Packers and the Bengals, especially considering the cornerback situation against their wide receivers and whatnot. It may not be. But that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking. And um, if Joe Mixon does not play, that that's a pretty big factor. Getting on to Green Bay Packers news, unfortunately, we did find out that Mr. Chauncey Rivers uh, apparently tore his ACL at the end of practice. Uh, it was the second to last play of practice on what day would that be? Today's Thursday, Wednesday. Um, Ian Rappaport first with the news, blah blah blah. So he's done for the year, unfortunately. And so just when we feel like you know, this is when we feel like we're starting to make some progress and we're kind of patching a few holes. It's just, it reminds me of that, um, what is that vacation movie, Vegas Vacation or whatever? Remember when they're at the uh, Hoover Dam, the Dam Dam, and there's a little leak and he like starts picking at it and then there's a big leak. So then he puts like gum on it and puts more gum on top of it. You know, it's, it's just, it just feels like the more we try to fix it, the more we're breaking it. And, um, so we kind of patched up corner, and we're patching up the offensive line, 
and maybe Elton Jenkins is coming back, but also maybe Josh Myers is out, and maybe we got Razul Douglas to come in and help with Jair, but we don't know if Jair's going to play, and I don't know if King's going to play, and we brought in a linebacker, um, inside linebacker, not an outside linebacker, to help replace Darius, and in the process... Not that they're directly related, but in that process, we did lose another outside linebacker, so now we're down to three outside linebackers. So we're going to have to go out and get another outside linebacker. I mean, we're in half-two territory. It might have to come from the practice squad, but he's got to come from somewhere. We're not just going to roll with three. So um, things are getting a little um, unfortunate at the moment, but... We do have Jalen in the building. He is going to wear number nine. Everyone's all excited about that. We get a linebacker with a goofy number. That's kind of fun. Plus, it it just makes it feel like he's faster or something, doesn't it? Something about it. Like it's, you know, you got Amari on one side with eight and then uh, Jalen with nine on the other side. You know, he feels like he's a wide receiver or something. Maybe it'll make him fast. I don't know. But uh, unfortunate news for Mr. Chauncey Rivers. He was um, obviously not the most dominant player on our team, but he was doing a good job of being a good rotational player so that we could rest Rashawn and Preston. He could come out, and he definitely held his own. A couple little minor tidbits about Mr. Jalen. Uh, number one, apparently there were a couple different factors that were a part of his release. Everybody wanted to know why he was released. And yes, play did factor into it, his, his talent level. But number one, apparently there was some conflict between he and some people within the building, whether that's Mike McCarthy or whatever, I don't know. But there was not a lot of people getting along. Maybe that had to do something with his playtime. I don't know. On top of that, though, they've brought in a lot of really young linebackers. And so that has also helped to edge out, including like Micah Parsons, for example, edge out Jalen Smith in that role. Although I think Micah's playing edge right now, but you know, you get the idea. Part of that may have been because of how many linebackers they have. I guess the straw that broke the camel's back, though, was they were ready and willing to work out a deal with him or to allow him essentially to stay. I don't know if they had another deal on the table or not, but um, the one contingency was they wanted to strip out of his contract injury guarantees in 2022. And Jalen said, I'm not doing that. And they said, okay, bye-bye then. So it is a lot of different factors. There's They have way too many linebackers, many of which are very young and very talented that they liked, and they yeah, obviously are not going to get rid of. Um, they're concerned about Jalen's injury history which is not as extensive as people seem to think. It was He kind of came in injured, and he's um, you know, maybe had a little bit of a, a step back in his athleticism as a result of the injury. But he's been in the NFL, I think, four years, not included. Well, this is his fifth year. And aside from his rookie year, I don't think he's missed hardly any time, if any time at all. He's played basically three full years and has played all four games so far this year. So but anyways, it is a concern that they had, and they wanted to remove that uh, just for their own security, and he said no, and there you go. The rest is history. Also, a uh, bit of good news in terms of how he got here, and I have the video. This is compliments to JJ for fishing this out for me, but um, again, I'll let this play out, but essentially just kind of describing how he end up, ended up coming here. Apparently, he really wanted to come here, and it's, it's kind of interesting because the same thing was said about Stefan Gilmore. And again, I don't know how true that is, but apparently he had strong interest as well. It's at least nice to hear that guys want to be here. But here is what was said about Mr. Jalen Smith. Yeah, well, the Packers, of course, looking for more depth on defense, more playmaking on defense. It's been a little up and down there, I would say. And for Jalen Smith, this makes a lot of sense. First of all, the particulars. Sounds like it should be official, official, official today. 
uh, signed uh, and actually could actually end up playing on Sunday for uh, the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be a one-year deal. He's going to make $770,000 this year uh, when you take away the games that obviously he missed playing for the Cowboys. Plus, he makes $7.2 million from the Cowboys. And a lot of this, Tom, was about the relationship. Matt LaFleur was at Notre Dame when Jalen Smith was there. He was one of the best linebackers, probably the best linebacker in college football. Those two bonded. They remain close to this day. That's why when other teams who had actually tried to trade for Jalen, the Carolina Panthers were one, they made a push for him. It was always going to be the Packers. That is where he wanted to play and contribute. So Matt LaFleur, obviously, I mean, it's it's a weird combination because you say, well, you know, they were both at Notre Dame at the same time. Yeah, I mean, quarterback, coach, and linebacker. I mean, it's, it's obviously they know each other, but it's kind of strange to think you've maintained such a strong relationship to the old quarterback coach that was in your college high school team that you probably like passed by in the building but had very few interactions with. And it was such a good relationship that you're like, I would love to go play for the Packers and Matt LaFleur. It's just kind of a strange thing to me. But lo and behold, that uh, that relationship helped bind them together so that uh, we can get Jalen Smith to our team. As far as maybe some bad news, and it should be expected news, but we're going to call it bad news anyways because some people aren't going to like this. Um, the Packers have made it very clear, both Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry just very recently, as I'm checking my phone for updates because the uh, interviews are going on right now, the press conferences, they both essentially confirmed that um, Jalen Smith is not going to be playing very much, if at all, early on, because he doesn't know anything about how to play in this system. Um, and so they've they've made it a point to stress that he's going to come along very slowly. And I make it a point to stress that because I just don't want to hear it. When Oren Burks is out there missing tackles, I don't want any text messages saying, wow, Jalen's not even better than that guy. Don't. Don't do that. Please don't do that. I can't even handle that. We all understand at this point how this operates, how this works, right? Maybe some teams throw their guys to the wolves. Our guys don't, right? I had somebody bug me today about DeGuara. Why isn't he playing more? He's a tight end three. He was injured all last year. He was injured the beginning part of this year. They're bringing him along slowly. Same reason we haven't seen much Amari. Same reason we didn't see Dylan much last year. All those things are the same reason we're not going to see Jalen right away. Now, that doesn't mean not at all. And, and who knows, maybe he's still going to be linebacker too. I don't know. Probably depends largely on if Burks can play and, and how well he does in practice. Maybe he really impresses and they give him some more reps out there. I'm just saying be prepared for the possibility that we don't see him very much, if at all, in the first week and then, you know, in the consecutive weeks if he isn't playing as the linebacker one, linebacker two right away. Just anticipate that. Um, just kind of looking at the Mo Drayton press conference that's going on right now. Um, a lot of questions about that blocked field goal. Um, a lot of, you know, again, these, these are the kinds of things that annoy me because all of us sitting at home on our couch, and we, you know, people always joke about this, like, oh yeah, like you're sitting on your couch, like you would know better. We don't, and we shouldn't, but sometimes we do, and it's annoying because I shouldn't, I should not know better. But all of us are saying certain things, and they're not being done, and it just kind of annoys us. Special teams coach Mo Drayton said they've looked at the issue with blocking on field goals. He said they should have made in-game adjustments and didn't. He said it was a good teaching moment for everyone that via Tom Silverstein. Well, duh. I said it the week before it happened that it was about to become a problem and they needed to do something. 
Mo Drayton has no other job but to watch what I saw and say, this is about to be a problem, we need to fix it, and didn't. And then again, it gets blocked, and we got lucky on that penalty. And then the very next kick almost gets blocked. The very next field goal almost got blocked. So they still didn't fix it. Later on, I think it's uh, Silverstein, again, if I'm not mistaken, says, Drayton said they will vary the snap count on those field goals so that teams can't get a beat on when the ball is released. I can respect that, but I feel like we're, we're, you know, not really fully addressing the issue. He goes on to say that he wanted to stress that it wasn't the guy off the edge. He says, in the NFL, it's nearly impossible for the guy off the edge to block a kick if the operation is is fine. And I went back and I'm watching it. I can see it right now. Um, it's technically true, but it's also kind of not. Um, 39 is second from the end and just slips right on the inside of Tunyon, who decided his job would be to block nobody. He was just going to stand in between these two guys. And so he, for some reason, and, and based on what Mo is saying, you, you kind of want to get in the way of 23, but you want to block 39. 23 is the guy off the edge. 39 is the guy kind of on the inside. Um, he doesn't even touch 39, so 39 has a straight line shot at this ball. But here's the other problem. Tunyon drifts over to 23, who's off the edge, to kind of get in the way. Their hands were basically right next to each other. So maybe 23 couldn't have blocked it, maybe. But it kind of looked like he was right there also. I guess looking at it... Um, his hands were b- below, so he, he kind of lunged at it. He was in the way of the kick, but the kick would have gone over his hands. But still, it just it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. First of all, Tunyon apparently is just not the right guy out there. And I don't know yeah, why he let somebody on the inside just get right past him, but if he blocks the guy inside of him even more, I just I feel like that one's getting blocked either way. So I, I guess I just don't really care for the answers very much. It doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. Only other semi-interesting note that I saw um, was that uh, Rasul Douglas apparently has been working out, or not working out, but studying up on the defense with Chandon Sullivan because they used to play together. Um, So Chandon's been working to try to get him up to speed. We do have an official injury report that was posted here, so I'll go through that since I have it in front of me. Jair Alexander did not participate. Um, Jack Heflin was limited with his ankle injury. Elton Jenkins limited. Aaron Jones limited. So it's at least good that Elton's back and there's a chance he's going to play, but still limited. Uh, Dennis Kelly did not participate. Kevin King limited. Uh, Mercedes Lewis did not participate. I'm guessing that's veteran rest. Uh, Josh Myers did not participate. Chauncey Rivers obviously is on IR. For the Cincinnati Bengals, Chidobi Awuzie, cornerback, limited. Um, T. Higgins, limited, uh, wide receiver. Trey Hopkins, the center, did not participate. Joe Mixon, the running back, as I said, did not participate. Uh, Stanley Morgan, wide receiver, limited. Larry Ogunjobi, defensive tackle, limited. Deontay Smith, guard, did not participate. Xavier Suofilo, guard, did not participate. Mike Thomas, wide receiver, limited. And Trey Waynes, cornerback, limited. We obviously know... Trey Waynes quite well. Anyways, I think I'm going to take a, a, another early break just because it's a natural break point. We'll come back around, go through the Patreon questions. If there's some time, we'll look at a few more things. If not, we'll just be done there. If you'd like to be a part of the Patreon uh, little party and be able to ask questions and participate in polls, etc., etc., patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can join in for as little as $1 every single month. Just a buck, man. Just a buck.
Speaking of, thank you very much to Mr. David Krause for jumping in on Patreon. I very much appreciate that. Joel Heckman, if I didn't say so already, I think I did. But Joel Heckman, thank you for upping your pledge. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty, Patreon Q&A time. We're going to kick it off with, uh, wait a minute, load more comments. There we go. I was going to say this isn't how it starts. Good thing we got a pile of them here. First couple questions are food-related from Douglas Chapin. What is the best flavor of ice cream to eat during the fall weather? I feel like you're setting me up on this one because the answer is uh, pumpkin ice cream. Maybe eggnog ice cream. I don't know, but I'm, I, I get very into the seasonal stuff. I'm a big fan of pumpkin. Love me some pumpkin ice. The first time I ever had it, I think I was, I don't even think I was in high school anymore. It was, it was like college age or after college or whatever. But uh, I moved back in after college with my dad back to Illinois. And uh, he lived in Bartlett. And there is an Oberweiss down there. Delicious ice cream. They had these chocolate milkshakes and stuff. Just amazing. I'm not supposed to say that because, you know, we're pretty proud of our custard here in Wisconsin. but uh, Which is better than, than ice cream. But Oberweiss has got it going on, and my dad bought some pumpkin ice cream from there, and that stuff is phenomenal, and so I'm a huge fan of pumpkin ice cream. Uh, he also says, "Did you do you ever make Smokies, these little hot dog sausage things? I don't. I never have, but um, I used to make them all the time. Uh, the family did, like at parties. You know, throw them in a little slow cooker with some barbecue sauce or some kind of a sauce, barbecue-ish sauce. You just get a little toothpicks and go to town. Those things are delicious. I kind of forgot about it until you asked me. I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, those little uh, hot doggy things. But no, I have not made Smokies. Goose says, if we get Jenkins back and we ride our run game short pass, dominate the clock and keep our D fresh, I think the Packers don't just win but dominate the Bengals. 
So he's got a follow-up question that was his comment, but I want to pause there for one, one second. There is a part of my brain that 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 uh, kind of engages with that thought, and the vast majority of my brain doesn't let me even participate in that because it's like, nope, don't even go there. This is going to be a tough game. Don't get your hopes up. Don't do it. Save that for Sunday. Sunday's podcast is when we just go crazy saying how much they suck and everything. But there is a part of me that wonders, you know, if, if the Bengals are slightly overrated, and I think, I shouldn't say overrated, but based on being 3-1, and one, they're probably accurately rated based on what people think of them, maybe slightly underrated. But anyways, if the Packers don't underestimate them, and I don't think they will, sort of the other side of it, because again, I had somebody ask me, do you think that they're going to underestimate it? And I don't think that they will. But what if they come in re- really ready to take on a Titan, and the Bengals aren't exactly Titans? What happens then? Have you ever um, tried to pick something up that you thought was going to be really heavy and you about dislocated your arm trying to lift it because your arm went like flying up? Or maybe another example is when you try to step and there's no step there and you about bust your leg. Why does that hurt so bad? Like, aren't I just dropping my leg casually when I go down? Apparently, I'm like thrusting my leg down through the air to get to the next step. I don't know why it hurts so bad. you think I would just set it on the ground and be like, oh, we're here. We're, we're home. But... Um, the first analogy probably makes the most... Be, they, they come in with such ferocity and force expecting to have to punch through a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. And really, it's just... Uh, it's drywall with no stud behind it. In other words, there's a possibility they come in and give it their absolute all, expecting a little bit more fight than there's going to be. And yeah, maybe they do kind of put on a big show. And in that case, that's going to be the week where everybody looks at the Packers and they go, jeez... This team is legit. So I have contemplated that. I have thought about that scenario in which maybe this is the game that isn't as close, and I don't think anyone's necessarily expecting a blowout, but it could just kind of magically happen. I'm going to stick with the first theory that this is going to be a very tough game, but it could happen. As for the question, do you think the Bengals' defense is for real? They're rated fifth by DVOA. So I I did a little thing that I haven't really done with any teams yet, but... Um, I just look at, because their their defense has allowed scores of 24, 20, 10, and 21. That's pretty good. I mean, if the Packers had done that, you'd be pretty excited about it. And any defense, you feel pretty good about that. Um, 24 being the most you've given up all year, and then you throw a 10 in there. Here's the thing, though. It, it's all about what is the competition. So I look at what these other teams, the Vikings, Bears, Steelers, and Jaguars, have scored in the other three games they played not including the Bengals, because that's going to skew the numbers. What is the average that they're scoring? This works a little bit better when they've played more games, and obviously you can go down this complete rabbit hole, and this is why it doesn't work, although this is kind of what DVOA is supposed to do. It somehow calculates this, but it's like, okay, well, what's the value of their competition? Well, that depends on it. You know what I mean? It's just this big circular spiral thing that never ends. So we just take it at what what it is. The Vikings have scored 33, 30, and 7, which is an average of 23, and the Bengals allowed 24. The Bears have scored 14, 6, and 24, which is an average of 20, or excuse me, an average of 14, and the Bengals allowed 20. The Jaguars have scored 21, 13, and 19, which is an average of 17, the Bengals allowed 21. All three of those games, they actually scored more than their average against the other three opponents they've faced. The only team that they've allowed less for is the common opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who also happen to be complete garbage. Um, they have scored 23, 17, and 17, so they're averaging 19 points, and the Bengals only gave up 10. So I don't know. 
it's not even so much a matter of, is this great, the numbers that they have? Yes. But what have they done in comparison to what other teams have done? So if we look at it from that standpoint, let's just take the Vikings. Now, this is a little bit unfair, but let's, let's for the Packers, we're just going to say week one was a complete fluke. And I know I didn't do this with all the other things, but just bear with me because I want you to kind of follow my, my train of thought just to give you an idea what I'm talking about here. I think an, an accurate picture is what we've seen the last three weeks. If we assume that that's kind of what the Packers are, 35 points, 30, and 27 that the Packers have scored, they are averaging 30.66666 points per game. If you take that in comparison to what happened in that Vikings game, the 24 points, you would expect the Packers to score about 32 points against the Bengals. Because remember, the Vikings scored 1.2 points more than what they had scored against everybody else. So if you take the average for the Packers at 30.6 times the 1.2, it's about 31.5 or round up to 32. 31 to 32 points. Now we're kind of playing with the numbers, but it just, it just gives you a, a, a cleaner picture. Rather than just saying, here's the numbers, and those are scary numbers, are they, though? 20 points against the Bears, what does that mean? Well, their average is 14. They allowed 20. So if we, if we use the Bears as the other standard, it's going to be a lot more. That's 1.36 times more. So if you use that standard, you would expect the Packers to score about 42 points. <laughs> so just to show you scale of, of magnitude. Now, I don't expect that to happen, but again, that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, if we take the Steelers, as an, let's say the, the defense plays to the level they did against the Steelers. If that's the case, the Packers are, would be expected to score 16 points. That's obviously a lot less. But overall, I don't know that this has been overly impressive. Um, I, I do think that the Bengals have some talent. I do think most of that talent is on offense. And we can also do this with their offense, but I don't want to sit here and spend that time doing the math and everything because I got to kind of keep this cooking. We can maybe look at it tomorrow if somebody feels the need to ask me that or if I remember to do it. Again, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means there's no real information just based on the numbers. If, you, if you're going to tell me I watched the Bengals and I studied the tape and I, and I think, okay, fine, that's I'm, you got me, you win. I'm just telling you these numbers which look impressive are a little misleading based on looking at the other competition, looking what everyone else did to those teams. They only allowed 24 against the Vikings. Okay, well, their average is 23. Well, they only allowed 20 against the Bears. Well, their average is 14. You know, you you get it. I don't need to explain it anymore. So it requires a little further investigation, but on first glance, I'm not so sold. Question from Daniel Telby. Do you think Smith or Douglas will start this week? Kind of already addressed this, and I think Eric's question is basically the same, but... um, I would say Douglas a little bit more just because of the need at the position. I think at linebacker, we don't need it because we've got a guy right now that's playing the vast majority of snaps, and so there isn't a need to push Smith out there. And even if he's going to play, it's going to be in a limited role because our our you know LB1 is set, and he takes a, a very high percentage of the snaps at linebacker. Douglas, I just, I just think we need a guy. Could be wrong. Again, we got to find out who's playing and who's not. Jire might play, King might play, Jire might not play, King might not play. We got to figure that out first. So obviously, if if uh, let's just say if if even if King plays, maybe Douglas doesn't. Maybe they go with Stokes and and King and Chandon. Don't really know. A lot of that probably comes down to how quickly Douglas is picking stuff up and how he looks in practice and everything else. But again, we'll we'll kind of play it by ear. But it it really just comes down to 
need. They don't want to have to force either of these guys out there because, again, they don't know what they're doing, and that above everything else is most important, especially to the Packers. Do you know how to do your job? And if you just got here and I just handed you the defensive playbook, you don't know what you're doing. But there may be some necessity there. Mr. Eric Munn says, I'm always skeptical about uh, in-season pickups and how much they can contribute. Do you think our new cornerback and linebacker, especially linebacker, will be able to make significant contributions to our team anytime soon? Again, kind of touched on that. Not necessarily, but it's a little bit different. I think Rasul Douglas is kind of more of a a plug-and-play floor setter. He's there, so when the bottom falls out, he sets a bottom and says, we're not going to go below this bottom, right? It might not be Jair good, but hopefully it won't be like this is devastatingly bad. I think with, um, with Smith, there's a little bit more of a high ceiling potential. I think this is a different kind of a pickup. There isn't really a desperate need of linebacker. Devondre Campbell's doing a great job, and the other guys don't really play that much. I think that this is a, this is a potential to have Devondre Campbell and Jalen Smith playing as a tandem, doing separate jobs, and executing at a very high level, which, which makes sense, right? Because our needs are cornerback, outside linebacker, and pretty much everywhere across the offensive line because they're dropping like flies. Inside linebacker isn't really one of them, unless Chris Barnes is really jacked up, and I'm just not aware of that. But even so, you know, Oren Burks is there or whatever. He goes on to say, the Packers are always cautious until they trust the player to know the scheme in their job, and that's pretty much what we're learning um, is the plan, is to get them more familiarized before they push them out there. Matthew Johnson says, Packer fans better be ready for a back-and-forth game this Sunday. Burrow is pretty good, and if the Packers come out slow, it could be a long day. That is very true. Interestingly enough, I saw Joe Burrow made a comment, I think it was Burrow, basically saying the exact same thing, but in reverse. His whole his whole philosophy, and it's kind of funny because there may be kind of a, a battle here because the Packers have this kind of new thing, even though they did defer with the Steelers, um, this new thing where they want to get a fast start because they don't want to start off slow. They need to come out and just, you know, kind of get in that rhythm early. Uh, Joe Burrow had made some kind of a comment saying, you can't start slow against teams like the Packers. You know, maybe some of these other teams, because last week they kind of got dinged for that. They started off real slow. Joe Burrow came out real slow. They weren't even really throwing the ball. And then they kind of picked up speed at the end of the game. And his whole thing is, you can't do that when you play a team like the Packers. You got to come out hot. You got to stay hot. I'm not going to make Matt LaFleur's reference to what he said similar to that, because I don't even know what it means and it's unnecessary. But uh, that's I'll, I'll stick with what I said. Mikey on mute says, I can't recall. Have we seen Shannon Sullivan work outside or just in the slot? I know it's not interchangeable. I don't know what he played in college. Well, let's take a look. So um, basically, if if I gave you a a quick summary, Shannon is exclusively, not exclusively, but mostly, primarily, almost exclusively a slot guy in the pros. However, he was mostly, almost exclusively a boundary guy in college, in 2020, for example, giving you a full season spectrum, 608 snaps in the slot, 59 out wide. In college, if we go to 2017, um, he didn't even play in the slot at all, but he played out of 652 snaps, 583 out wide. 60 was in the box, five along the D line, three at safety, and something on extra point, even though I told it not to give me special teams, but whatever. So yeah, so so he got moved to the slot when he moved to the pros. So if the question is, can he do it in a pinch? I guess I don't know, but he he does have experience with that at, at Georgia State. 
So he's at least familiar with what is required of you out there, but it's kind of just a question of does he have the skill set to perform at that high of a level at that position in the NFL? I, I don't know. But again, in a pinch, you got to do what you got to do. So hopefully we won't find out. Taj says, will this be the game where Gary saves us? With so many key pieces out, it sure feels like he's one of the few defensive players who can make a really big impact, especially against a young quarterback. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I'm going to say no just because I've been saying yes a lot, and it really just hasn't come to fruition. <laughs> Not that he hasn't been good. I mean, he's, he's still getting the pressures, and we saw the sack last week, but we haven't seen that breakout game. And he's in a position where you can see a breakout. You know, if a center has a breakout game, nobody knows. If a linebacker has a breakout game, you might notice. You know, I mean, if it involves like a pick and a, and a sack or whatever, but it could just be you're, you're really taking great angles and making a bunch of tackles. And you can kind of see it. Like Devondre, you can kind of see it. But with Rashawn Gary, if you, if you have a just dominant game, it's kind of right in your face. You know, corner is another one that could be tough, depending on if we're talking interceptions or just you lock the guy down all day. Because a, a corner breaking out might literally just be, what, did he play today? I don't even, I don't know if he even played. So it would be nice if it was if he was just an absolute terror. You know, I remember back in the day, there were games that Clay Matthews would just take over. And it would be like, there's Clay again. There's Clay again. He is just all over the field. He's constantly just haunting the quarterback. And technically, statistically, um, Rashawn has had those games. You know, seven pressures in a game and, and a sack or whatever, or two sacks. Um, and I agree, we, we, we could really use one. But again, for the sake of jinx, I'm going to say no, he can't do it. He's not good enough. Um, he's washed up, he's trash, and he should probably just go away. And since he blocked me on Twitter anyways, you'll never amount to anything. Rashawn, you are terrible and horrible, and hopefully you respond well to negative criticism. Caleb says, this is part of the reason why I should do these questions first, but it is what it is. How much of an impact will Smith have for the rest of the season? Why do you think he picked the Packers? So again, kind of covered all that. But not really. How much of an impact do I think Smith will have for the rest of the season? I'm I'm a little bit high. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've tempered my expectations. I fully understand he's had a lot of struggles in Dallas. I understand they let him go for a reason. I get that whole thing. But I just can't help get excited about Joe Barry and how well the linebackers perform in the system and the fact that Devondre Campbell is going to be taking on the majority of, of what's being expected and, and Jalen's going to be allowed to just do what Jalen does well. I know he's going to have some struggles, but I think he's going to have some opportunities to be a playmaker as well. And I'm, I'm kind of excited, and I don't really know if that's going to be until the end of the year. You know, talking, let's just say, week 10, 11, 12-ish. But I'm, I'm completely fine with that because of guys like Devondre Campbell. I mean, it's nice to be in a season where linebacker is the one thing you just don't really care about. Like, dude, I'm freaking out about corner, and I really hope these safeties kind of get better, and we need a little bit better production off the edge, plus the injuries off the edge is just terrible. The offensive line, everybody keeps getting hurt. It's freaking me out. I don't know what to do. It's nice to not have to worry. Jorgen Steinholt says, do you think the heavy reliance that Rodgers had on some wide receivers, and especially Adam so far, will come back to haunt us later in the season? I'm not sure what you mean by that. I guess that means my answer is no, because I can't think of how that would be a negative. Does that mean underutilization of other players, which means a lack of development? I don't really think so. I mean, um, again, there was the the game, I think it was the 49ers, where it was basically all Devontae all day. And it was really just a matter of you just do what works. And as long as you have other options that can work, um, 
then, I mean, you can just switch it up whenever you can. And if there aren't other options at work, then I don't think the heavy reliance really is going to impact that. It's just that's a problem whether there's a heavy reliance or not. So I guess I'm just not fully understanding where your mind is going with that. So if you want to elaborate on what you think the problem will be, but I, I got nothing. I don't see a problem with it. The only thing I guess I could think is, is it's going to eventually wear them down and potentially get them injured, and I hope that doesn't happen. I don't know. Any concern, says Wayne Reesing, any concern on your part with pressing having a history of jumping off sides? It's really annoying to me as it seems to negate a big play by defense. Is it the only way he can beat the guy across from... Uh, it's a decent point. He does struggle a lot with pressure. It's really not his strong suit. He had a decent year in 2019 when Zadarius was just dominating everybody. Last year, he was terrible. This year, um, kind of just so-so, and I think last week was real bad for him as far as pressures. So yeah, maybe he does feel the need to try to get a jump. Is there a concern? I mean, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I hadn't really even thought about it. Let me look real quick at the, uh, the penalty numbers because I hadn't really looked at it before. So it looks like so far it's just one penalty for Preston, one for Rashawn, and one for Zadarius, who's hardly played. And in fact, if we go back to 2020, uh, if this thing would load, I'm, I saw something and I want to go back to it real quick. Um, if we look at penalties, uh, Rashawn had one, Randy Ramsey had one, Preston had four, Zadarius had nine. It doesn't list what the penalties were, but um, Zadarius was clearly the bigger offender, and it wasn't because of more opportunities. I mean, Zadarius played 859 snaps, Preston 814. So um, I haven't really noticed it. And again, this year, according to PFF anyways, he's had one penalty against him in four weeks. I don't think that that's, I don't think it's that bad. Um, I understand that last one was critical, but I'm, no, I'm not concerned, I guess. Final comment comes by way of Dan Marquise says, not all listeners on the pod are part of the insane Twitterverse. No need to correct them every time they come off the rails of sanity. There kind of is. Here's here's the thing, and people get mad about this every single time. Every time I comment on on sort of a hot topic issue, people get mad and don't want me to engage in it. I guess I don't really understand. It's I don't know. It's strange to me. It's not just Twitter. It's it's the entire universe of football and especially Packers football. Go to Twitter. Go to Instagram. Go to Facebook. Go to work. Go to any conversation involving football. This is what people are talking about, and so. I'm commenting on the hot topic issue and providing context in an area in which a very high percentage of people are taking a tact that doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's just a lot of fighting and a lot of bickering and a lot of anger, and I'm, I'm addressing something that is happening. I know not everybody, but that's, that's true of literally everything. So, I mean, it's, again, it, it doesn't matter what it is. There's always people that are like, just stop commenting on it. You know, again, like with the Justin Fields thing, which, by the way, I'm starting to get annoyed. Hey, go over to YouTube right now. Look at any show that you want. Pick any one. Doesn't matter. Any big, whether it's ESPN, CBS, whatever, every single one of them, every third video is about Justin Fields. And it's like, you're obsessed with Justin Fields. No, no, no. Everybody's obsessed with Justin Fields. I'm commenting on what's what what the whole world is talking about. I'm just extra frustrated because people are stupid when they talk about stuff. So there's a little extra hostility, but I'm not just picking like some random fight that I got in about chamomile tea on Twitter and I'm making everybody else talk about it. It is the topic of discussion. There was no bigger topic of discussion yesterday than about Jalen Smith and even more so than Jalen Smith was Stefan Gilmore. And again, I, I was fine for that to be a footnote for me. 
I'm commenting because I just, I keep seeing it and I keep seeing it. It keeps popping up and it keeps popping up. It's again, it's not one or two people that I saw it. And like one guy said something and I lost my mind and I couldn't get over it. It's that everybody lost their mind and nobody could get over it. Go look in the Facebook group. Go look on Twitter. Go look on any other Packers Facebook group, NFL Facebook group. It's all anybody's talking about. Go over to YouTube. I've got all the, what, what are the, I don't even know what these shows are called. I don't watch any of them other than when I check YouTube, but the, the Skip Bayless show, the, uh, all, all those types of shows, all anybody talked about was Stefan Gilmore. So again, I, I don't, I don't necessarily understand the stance that I shouldn't talk about those things when it's the most important thing to be talked about. And, and if, if the whole thing is, well, you should just give the details and leave the rest alone. No, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. I don't know if you notice, I'm a little opinionated. I mean, honestly, if it's just information you want, you're wasting your time. This is a this is kind of a lot of time on this podcast. There are shorter, you know, information-based either podcasts or just read an article or a, a tweet. I mean, Twitter's fantastic, but, you know, don't follow the arguments. Just, like, follow Ian Rappaport. They'll give you, in very limited characters, the information that happened, and then, then we're done. Large portion of what the show is is commentary. So, I mean, I, I, I understand that people get mad at me whenever I do that, I just don't understand why, other than I just don't want to hear it. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just, that's what it is, man. You don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it either, but it's what everybody's talking about, and I'm not going to just walk away from that. It is the topic du jour right now. Just by putting Jalen Smith or Stefan Gilmore in the title of an article or a podcast or whatever is going to cause that thing to spike through the roof because everybody is dying to hear more information about it, more opinions, more anger, more talking, more da 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 more, 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 I can't get enough, I need more. Same with the Aaron Rodgers drama. Of course we're all sick of it. But guess what happened when there was a new thing that came out, and then I did a podcast, and I gave my opinion on it, and then I said in the, in the title of my podcast that I was going to be talking about it, and here's my opinion on it. The numbers went through the roof. And it's not that I'm just number hunting, it's just because that's what everybody wants to hear. But there are, there's, a, there's a strong contingent of people that really don't want to hear it for whatever reason. And all I can say is I'm sorry, but that's never going to be the case. If there's something that is blowing up everywhere... If you go on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and it's all anybody's talking about, and there's fights all over the place, I'm getting in the fight. Probably not on social media. Maybe I will. Twitter, I can't get away from. Facebook, I can observe and just be like, nah, I'm not getting in that. Twitter, for some reason, I can't help myself. Well, and, and a lot of it is, on Twitter, I post my opinion, and that's all it is. It's just my opinion, and then people start coming at me, and then it's like, well, not now I'm deep in it. But just 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 know, that's the way it is, and that's the way it's always going to be. I know not everybody's crazy. I know sometimes people agree with me. Not yelling at you. All you got to do is stand to the side and, and clap and be like, yeah, man, you tell those dummies or something. I don't know. But I don't know. I guess I just annoy them. And then the people that don't agree with me are also annoyed. So I don't know. I don't care. At this point, I talk to hear my own voice. And if people want to listen, that's just great. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry to deliver bad news that it's never going to stop, but it's never going to stop. When people go off the rails and act stupid, I can't, I can't not call them stupid to their face. I just can't. It's, it's, a it's, it's my fault. It really is. It's a problem with me. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> I have, as I mentioned, switched over to chamomile tea. Thank you very much for the uh, suggestion. Who was that? Tyson on Twitter said throw a little creamer in it. It's pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to do that every time, but uh, it's pretty good. So I'm trying to, trying to, trying to just chill. Be happy, have fun, get excited. 
but uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you just got. Plus, I mean, life is stressful, and sometimes I don't even know I'm stressed until I t- start talking about stuff, and then it's like just a, a cathartic experience where I just get it all off my chest. And here's another thing about Stefan Gilmore: my dad never loved me. Oopsie Daisy, <laughs> just, just let it all out. That was, a, that, that was just a joke, by the way. Me, me, my, me and my dad are fine. <sighs> Anyways. I have obligations I have to go take care of. We got to go to puppy daycare class or whatever where, uh, you know, you take the dog and teach him tricks and try to get him to stop being a psychopath because there's a bunch of other dogs barking at him and then he wants to bark back and then it's like, shut up. Would you guys all just shut up and stop being crazy? And there's always the one dog that's just a super psycho, which is nice because it's like, dude, I guess my dog isn't that bad. But that one will just not stop. And then he gets all the other dogs fired up. And then he gets my dog fired up. And it's like, no, you're the good dog. Be a good dog. But anyways, going to end up getting bit. It's a nightmare. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. And we will hopefully not be talking about Stefan Gilmore. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>